Loving Father in heaven, we thank you again for your blessings which you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Father, for your love. We ask, Father, that you would make us instruments by which your will will be done on this earth. To that end, Lord, we come now to fellowship with you. We pray, Father, that the words of our devotion which we will hear shall motivate us to indeed be instruments of glory, honor, and praise to your name on this earth. I present myself to you, dear Lord. I have no words to put to your children that would do this work for them. Neither am I qualified to do it. But I plead the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary for our sins. For that sake, O oh Lord, I have not come here to speak ill to your children, but I pray that for the sake of our Lord that you put your words in my mouth, that blessings may flow forth from me to them. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, November 15 The Cross Bearer And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. Luke chapter 23 verse 26 Jesus had hardly passed the gate of Pilate's house when the cross which had been prepared for Barabbas was brought out and laid upon his bruised and bleeding shoulders. He had borne his burden but a few rods when from a loss of blood and excessive weariness and pain he fell fainting to the ground. When he revived, the cross was again placed upon his shoulders, and he was forced forward. He staggered on for a few steps, bearing his heavy load, and then fell as one lifeless to the ground. The priests and rulers felt no compassion for their suffering victim, but they saw that it was impossible for him to carry the instrument of torture farther. They were puzzled to find anyone who would humiliate himself to bear the cross to the place of execution. The crowds that followed the Savior to Calvary taunted and reviled him because he could not carry the wooden cross. They all saw the weak and staggering steps of Christ, but compassion did not reveal itself in the hearts of those who had advanced from one step to another in their abuse and torture of the Son of God. A stranger, Simon, a Cyrenian, coming to the city from the country, hears the crowd pass the taunts and ribaldry. He hears the contemptuous repetition, Make way for the king of the Jews. He stops in astonishment at the scene, and as he expresses his compassion in words and deeds, they seize him and compel him to lift the cross which is too heavy for Christ to bear. That wooden cross 
born by him to Calvary was the means of Simon taking upon himself the cross of Christ from choice to ever cheerfully stand beneath its burden. His compulsory companionship with Christ in bearing his cross to Calvary, in beholding the sad and dreadful work and the spectators beneath the cross, was the means of drawing his heart to Jesus. Every word from the lips of Christ was graven upon his soul, and the heart of Simon believed. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Cross Bearer, and oh that we, after this devotion, may indeed become cross bearers like Simon. Matthew 27 verse 32 says, And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. This man Simon was not necessarily a believer in Jesus, but he was one who saw Jesus that day. And what did he see in Jesus? As I would always say, Jesus calls himself the truth. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Simon saw the truth and he had compassion for the truth. The truth was being battered and beaten from every angle. The truth had been trodden underfoot by the chief priests, by the Jews and the mob, and by Pilate and Herod and Judas. But here was a man who saw the truth trodden underfoot, the truth that was so beautiful to behold, even when it was trodden and he had compassion. Before now, his children believed the truth, but he did not. But because of the way the truth was being treated, he knew that this was not the way to treat the truth. And because of that, he realized that there's some injustice here. If truly you were on the side of right, that must have been what was on Simon's mind. If these chief priests and Pilate and the Jews were on the side of right, they would not do this to the truth. But because of the way the truth was being treated, Simon was convinced this is not the right way to behave. Then he was convinced there must be something good about this thing for these wicked men to be treating it this way. And he expressed his compassion towards the truth. And then he was made to bear the cross that comes with having a compassion towards the truth to confirm that his children the believers in the truth. We read the book of Mark 15 from verse 21. It says, And they compel one Simon, a Cyrenian who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. So Mark is writing the children, the name of Simon's children, Alexander and Rufus. He knows them because they were believers in Jesus as Alexander and Rufus. But Simon himself was not necessarily a believer. But this experience that he passed through in carrying that heavy cross for Jesus up the hill. Do you know what it is like? It must have been a very heavy burden. Jesus himself could not carry it. In his weakened state, he could not. He fell down. Saying, Reading in Desire of Ages, page 742, paragraph 1 downward, we are told, The crowd that followed the Savior saw his weak and staggering steps, but they manifested no compassion. It says in paragraph 2, At this time a stranger, Simon a Cyrenian, coming in from the country, meets the throng. And we know the rest here. He, he expresses his compassion. They seize him and place the cross upon his, his shoulders. 
Simon had heard of Jesus. His sons were believers in the Savior, but he himself was not a disciple. The bearing of the cross to Calvary was a blessing to Simon, and he was ever after grateful for this providence. It led him to take upon himself the cross of Christ from choice and ever cheerfully stand beneath his burden. End of quote. Amen. Simon carried the cross, and it was in carrying the cross that he was blessed. And this is the lesson that we must learn today. Our perception of the cross needs to change. We are not to perceive the cross as an odious, detestable thing, but as a blessing. Some of us may say, if I were in the days of Jesus, I would not be among that mob who were taunting him, who manifested no compassion towards him even when he fell beneath the burden of the cross. I will help to carry the cross like Simon did. But like I have been saying in previous devotions, Jesus has given us a means by which we may see him today and do the things that we want to do to him. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Matthew 25, Jesus expresses how we can carry our cross for him. Reading in Matthew 25 from verse 31, we know it all too well that Jesus said when he comes, he will separate the sheep from the goats. And in verse 34, he says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, which is the sheep, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee seeking or in a prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Amen. Reading here, we realize that the Lord identifies with suffering humanity. Why does Jesus say this? It is because he identifies completely with his people. It is for this same reason that Satan's wrath is against the church of God. He attacks them because he knows that it is as if he is directly striking at Jesus. 1 John 4 verse 20 and 21 says, If a man say, I love God and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Amen. So now, what does it mean to carry the cross? Let Jesus himself explain what the cross means. Reading from Matthew 10 from verse 24, Jesus said, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and, as, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not therefore, you are of more value than sparrows. 
whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever therefore, but whosoever therefore shall deny me before men, him also will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now hear these words. Jesus says in verse 34, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me now. Having said all these things, Jesus concludes it all in this brief saying. He summarizes this experience, this experience that people pass through because they are following Jesus. And the, there's that variance in the home. There's the suffering. There's the pain. There are those who will persecute Jesus summarizes it in verse 38 and 39 and says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. So what is the cross? The cross represents the inconvenience, the suffering, the persecution, and all other trials that come to us on account of our being like Jesus, of being his servants, of being like the master, and living in accordance with the word of God. The cross is revealed by the mockery, the ridicule, the taunts, the persecution, the affliction, the loss of your job that you experience when you choose to follow the truth. And what is the consequence of not following the truth? Matthew 16 verse 24, of not carrying the cross, what is the consequence? Matthew 16 verse 24, downward to verse 27 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of, the, of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Amen. So what is the lesson here? Jesus is saying only those who carry their cross cheerfully will one day receive a reward from him. If we choose not to carry our cross, there will be no crown for us to wear. If we think that we want to save our lives and run away from carrying the cross, we will lose our lives. Many there are who stare at Jesus in the person of his saints as they carry their cross. And they do not see, like Simon, a reason to carry their own cross. Many there are who represent that crowd and the rabble who had no sympathy for Jesus while he carried his cross. Paul said in the book of Galatians 6 verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Amen. Powerful words here. What does Paul mean for the world to be crucified to him and he to the world? He says it is through the cross that the world is crucified to him and he also is crucified to the world. The cross represents the symbol of the suffering of our Lord and also when Paul says that he himself is crucified on the cross to the world, 
he means that through the suffering he has passed through on account of following Jesus, he has lost a desire for the world and the world has lost a desire for him. Through the cross, the world has rejected him and he has rejected the world also. And also he said in the book of Philippians 3 verse 17 to 19, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Amen. What does it mean to be an enemy of the cross? Paul says it. It is people whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, and they mind earthly things. In one sense, to be an enemy of the cross is to be a person who is put off, offended, not happy by, with those who make decisions for Jesus and are carrying their cross. And also in another sense, to be an enemy of the cross is to not like the suffering that comes with obeying the truth and to refuse to walk in the way of Christ because it involves suffering. And that's why Paul said, Galatians 6 verse 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. We need to learn to glory in the cross, that is, to glory in the sacrifices, in the inconveniences, in the suffering, the pain, the trials and tribulations that we endure for Christ's sake. We need to learn to embrace the cross and carry our cross cheerfully. But where is the source of this glory? How can we suffer and yet be happy? It is in the thought that I am like my master. I wish the Holy Spirit would explain this to us. It is a pleasurable thing to think that we are walking where Jesus walked. Like Simon did, he carried the cross. He walked where Jesus walked in carrying that cross. Do you want to carry the cross for Christ? Then endure suffering for Christ. That was what Simon did. He endured the suffering, literally carried the cross, enduring the pain for Christ's sake, on Christ's behalf. For you and me who are listening now, if you want to carry a cross for Jesus, then you must endure the pain, the suffering, the loss that you incur, the inconveniences that come with following Jesus. That is what it means to carry that cross like Simon. That is what it means to be a cross bearer. But we must go beyond just carrying it. We must be cheerful while carrying that cross. It is in the thoughts that I am like my master. That is where I find the pleasure in carrying the cross. It is pleasurable to think that we are walking where Jesus walked and experiencing what he experienced. What higher joy can there be? What higher pleasure there can there be to, than to know that I am being treated exactly like my master was treated? If we can talk of the sufferings we endure in a cheerful way, we rejoice because we are counted worthy to suffer the things that Christ suffered. Peter and John, after the ascension of Jesus, they were preaching 
and they were they suffered for it. Acts chapter 5, verse 40. Let us see their reaction 40 and 41. It says, And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, not just Peter and John now, they beat the apostles, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Let's see their reaction, verse 41. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Amen. Do you rejoice when you are put to shame for Christ's sake? When people mock you, when they call you names, when they ridicule you because you are following the truth? Maybe you were once dressing in the wrong way and you are dressing the right way now. It comes with a cross. Dress reform comes with a cross. Are you ashamed of that cross? When you go among your colleagues and your skirt is longer than every other person's own, and you are not on that makeup like everybody is doing. And you are eating something different from what everybody is eating. And your way of life is completely, completely different. The world has been crucified unto you and you have been crucified unto the world. Are you ashamed of it? Do you make effort to hide it? You are doing well to follow the truth. But we must rise higher to rejoice and not be ashamed of it. When they laugh at you, when they mock you, when they call you names, when they ridicule you, and then further than that, when they punish you for doing the truth, when you are punished for it, rejoice in that day is what our Lord Jesus says. Rejoice that you are counted worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. That is what Jesus said. Again, Paul said that through the cross, the world is crucified unto him and him to the world. We need to learn. He said he gloried in it. We need to learn to embrace the cross because through it, we renounce our love for the world and the world also renounces us. Speaking about this cross, we must understand that truly, this is what Pilate was afraid of. There was a cross. Pilate saw it. He's going to lose his job if he follows this truth. But he did not carry his cross. And so also with Judas, there was a cross. He did not carry his cross. We usually sing the song that says, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And when we go to the refrain and the chorus of that song, we say, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Have you been clinging to the old rugged cross? Have you been holding fast to the suffering? that comes with obedience the bible says in second timothy chapter 3 verse 12 yeah and all that will live godly in christ jesus will suffer persecution have you been running away from the persecution that is the cross and if you are not bearing it if you choose to run away from the truth because of the inconveniences and the sacrifices required to follow the truth then you will have no cross to exchange for a crown someday. Your song will not save you. The truth is not something that we see today as popular. Simon saw the truth. He chose to follow the truth. And in following the truth, something came on his shoulders. What was that? A cross. He had compassion towards the truth. He was drawn towards the truth. And he was made to follow the truth. And in following it, it was impossible that he would follow it without a cross. There was a cross on his shoulders. And there will be a cross for you. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. That cross that Simon carried that day, he forever saw it as a blessing to him. That suffering that you will pass through, God permits it. Why? Because it is necessary to perfect our characters. 
That is why he permits the cross for us in carrying, in following the truth. It is not just that, oh, God just wants us to suffer. No. There is a lot of things in us that needs to be taken away. When we are, but when we are following the truth, it is through the means of this suffering that we learn. Hebrews 5 verse 8 says that though he were a son, that is Jesus, yet learned he obedience through the things he suffered. And the next verse says that being made perfect. Do you see that? Through the sufferings that Jesus endured, he learned obedience and was made perfect perfect we too must understand that it is in carrying this cross it must come there must be suffering there must be trial there must be pain in following the truth why because the lord is trying to perfect our characters we are told that tribulation worketh patience it is through the tribulation that we endure that our characters are fashioned into the image of our lord jesus but perhaps you are saying oh i have made some sacrifices i don't want to go any further I want to read the account written to a certain woman who felt that in, in following the truth, she was making a condescension. There are some of us who feel that way. We don't see following the truth as something that is a humbling experience. We feel like, look, I'm doing, you, I'm doing the church or doing God a favor by stooping so low to make changes in my life, in my dress, in my diet, in the day of worship, and in my choice of leisure and uh, recreation, and making many, many changes in my life, you should consider it that I am even stooping so low, and it should be like I'm doing a favor to God. But no, we are not to see it this way. Reading from Testimonies, Volume 2, page 491, I hope this may apply to some of us here in verse paragraph 1, and downward, downward it says, The truth of God has never been popular with the world. The natural heart is ever averse to the truth. I thank God that we must renounce the love of the world and pride of heart and everything which tends to idolatry in order to be followers of the man of Calvary. Those who obey the truth will never be loved and honored by the world. From the lips of the divine teacher, as he walked in humility among the children of men, we heard the words, Whosoever will be my disciple, let him take off his cross and follow me. Yes, follow our exemplar. Was he seeking for praise and honor of men? Oh no. Shall we then seek for honor and praise from worldlings? Those who have no love for God will not love the children of God. Listen to the words of heavenly instruction. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. In the Gospel of John, we again find the words of Christ. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours. I have given them thy word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In 1 John we read, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
In Paul's epistle to the Romans, he beseeches them by the mercies of God that they present their bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is their reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And James declares, Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever will be, therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Let me stop here and just say something here. Remember that Paul said that it was through the cross that he was crucified to the world and the world was crucified unto him. And the Bible in all these passages I've been reading now says, hate, we are not to love the world, we are to hate the world. We are to separate from the world. Jesus is not of the world, we are not to be of the world. How can we separate? It is through the cross. We must bear the suffering so that we separate from the world. Let me continue the reading now. It says, I entreat you to carefully consider the instruction in Paul's epistles, epistle to the Galatians. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I fear that you are in great danger of making shipwreck of faith. You consider that you have sacrifices to make to obey the truth. We believe that you have made some sacrifices, but had you been more thorough in this work, your feet would not now be stumbling, your faith wavering. I do not refer now to sacrifice of means, but to what comes closer than this, to that which would cause you a more painful conflict than to give your means, that's your money, to that which touches self especially. You have not yielded your pride, your love of the approbation of an unbelieving world. You love to have men speak well of you. You have not received and practiced the truth in its simplicity. You have, I fear, felt somewhat as though you were condescending to receive the unpopular truth as advocated by Sabbath-keeping Adventists. You have sought to quite a degree to retain the spirit of the world and yet adopt the truth. This cannot be. Christ will accept of nothing but the whole heart, the entire affections. The friendship of the world is enmity with God. When you desire to so live as to shun reproach, you are seeking a position above your suffering Lord. And while engaged in this, you are separating from your Father in heaven, exchanging his love for that which is not worth obtaining. End of quote. So what did we read here? When we are living a life with a desire to run away from shame and reproach, we are trying to live above our Lord and we are now being greater than our Master. And you cannot receive the same reward that he wants to give to those who are his disciples. If we live to shun reproach, we are seeking to be in a position above our suffering Father, above our suffering Jesus. And then in doing that, we are separating from God. Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2 tells us, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Are you enduring the cross? Do you despise the shame or you want to be free from shame? You want to follow Jesus but yet you want to avoid the shame? Then you will hide some aspects of your faith. That is what you will do. You will not follow him. 
Because if you are truly following him, there will be that shame. Do you know what Jesus endured for us? Shame. He was stripped of his clothes. Do you understand what that means? Sometimes the picture of Jesus is painted, so-called Jesus, on a cross. And then you see him naked. And that's exactly what it was. He was stripped of his garment and nailed to that cross. They intended to shame him. Those chief priests and the Jews, the intention was to shame Jesus. They could have killed him just with a sword if they wanted to. They could have just pierced a sword through him and then he would die. But what was the point in putting a cross on his shoulders and making him to walk from Pilate's house to Golgotha and then nail him up to that cross? The only point in it was to make him bear pain, suffering and shame. That was it. And that is what Satan does to us too. He wants to make us pass through pain, suffering and shame. Jesus bore that cross for you and me. Are you willing to bear it for him? Well. The decision you make has its, its consequence. Choose not to carry the cross and Jesus said, then you are not going to be in his kingdom. Whosoever will come after me, he said, let him carry his cross. Reading Testimonies, volume 2, page 496. Now again, paragraph 1 downward says, do not flatter yourselves that if you should yield the truth, all obstacles to your acquiring property will be removed. That's what some people think. Now, if I follow this truth, I will suffer. But if I don't follow it, then I would have so much pleasure. But is that really the truth? No. Continuing, it says, Satan tells you this. It is his sophistry. If God's blessings rest upon you because you surrender all to him, you will prosper. If you turn from God, he will turn from you. His hand can scatter faster than you can gather. What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You, my dear sister, need a thorough conversion to the truth. What shall slay self? Can you, cannot you trust God? Please read Matthew 10 verse 25 to 40. We've read that. Please read also with a prayerful heart. Matthew 6 verse 20, 24 to 34. Let these words impress your heart. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? The better life is here referred to. The, by the body is meant the inward adorning, which makes sinful mortals possessing the meekness of and righteousness of Christ valuable in his sight, as was Enoch, and entitles them to receive the finishing touch of immortality. Our Savior refers us to the fowls of the air which sow not, neither reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feedeth them. Then he says, Are ye not much better than they? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. These lilies in their simplicity and innocence meet the mind of God better than Solomon in his costly decorations, yet destitute of the heavenly adorning. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the fields which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Can you not trust in your heavenly Father? Can you not rest upon his gracious promise? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Precious promise, can we not rely upon it? Can we not have implicit trust, knowing that he is faithful who has promised? I entreat you, 
let your trembling faith again grasp the promises of God. Bear your whole weight upon them with unwavering faith, for they will not, they cannot fail. End of quote. Brothers and sisters, the cross is here for us. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Many of us think that the cross stands between our way and marrying a husband. The cross, which is the truth itself that comes with the cross, of course, stands between our way and our prosperity in this earth. We think that the truth, if we follow it, will make us not to get our ambitions, not to achieve our goals. But remember the lord can scatter faster than we can gather remember that the lord also promises us to trust in him he's not saying that these things cannot be gotten but it's about how you're going to get them the lord is saying follow the truth seek first the kingdom of god it will come with its cross but the lord is promising us trust me that's what he's saying i will add all these things to you what you will eat what you will wear what you will drink i will give them to you but seek first the kingdom of God. While seeking the kingdom of God, it will come with a cross. But embrace that cross. Love the cross. Cheerfully bear the cross. Jesus bore the cross on our behalf. Can it be then that we who Jesus died for, his back was lacerated. He was put, a crown of thorns was put on his head. He was pierced on the side. He was nailed to the cross, stripped of his garment and bore the shame of nakedness, paraded like a thief with a mob behind him. All these things he bore for you and me because of my sins and your sins. Can it be then that after knowing this, just because you are going to lose your job because you are following Jesus, just because you have, you may have to bear remaining single for the rest of your life, just because you may have to bear the fact that you may not be as wealthy as you may have been, of course that is even not the case because go and check how many people that are not carrying their crosses in the world has it helped them to become richer? Do not think that in following the truth, then you will be in not following the truth, then there is prosperity for you. Check the world. Many of them are not following the truth. But how has it been for the world, even when they have not been following the truth? Has it made anybody any richer? Many people who have told lies, cheated, done so many evil things, has it made them any better? It has not. The vast majority of the world, with all the evil they do, it hasn't made them any better. There are only a few people who sacrifice principle and then it makes them get wealth. But check, even that wealth they get, even that plan that they execute, has it been any good for them? No, there is no good that it will bring to us. The only good that can come to us is when we follow the truth. It is only Satan that paints it to us as though that there is some kind of pleasure in removing the obstacle of the truth. He said, we read this is Satan that tells us that it is his sophistry. But the Lord is telling us, embrace the cross that comes with following the truth. Because they, can, they are inseparable. Following the truth. And when I say the truth, I'm referring to the commandments of God. Keeping it to the letter. And doing all the reforms that God wants you to do. It comes with the cross. But bear that cross. Because it is in carrying that cross that you will have a crown. But how you, it cannot be that when on earth here we are afraid to confess christ we are afraid to carry the cross 
then we will get a crown. No way, it will not be. If Jesus was able to leave heaven and all its glories and the worship of angels to come down here to die for you and me, and then when it comes to our own turn, while following him, to bear just a little shame, nobody's nailing us to any cross, nobody's stripping you of your garments. In fact, God is completely clothing you with dress reform. Nobody's stripping you and making you naked, lacerating your back and plating crown of thorns on your head and giving you a literal cross to carry and nailing you to it. That's not what Jesus is requiring of you. He has done that for you. He's just telling you to bear some shame, some ridicule, some sacrifices for his sake. Could it be that because you couldn't bear these small things and you are still expecting to get a crown? No way. There's no crown for those who will not carry their cross. But the Lord is assuring us, trust in him and you will get all these things, pleasures forevermore. May he forgive us also for the times we have not done what we're supposed to do. Brothers and sisters, may these words inspire you with faith that you may follow after the Lord and embrace that cross. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for these words you have spoken to us. Forgive us for the times that we have run away from the truth because of the cross that comes with it. And we ask, Lord, please inspire us with courage, with strength, with power and indomitableness that we may follow after the truth and embrace the cross that comes with it. And like the apostles rejoice because we are suffering shame, counted worthy to suffer shame for our Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, that whatever decision it is that we have taken in the past because we are afraid of the cross, that we will retract it, that we will retrace our steps. And help us that from henceforth, we will not just carry the cross, but we will cheerfully bear it. That the sufferings we will pass through on this earth for your sake, Lord, help us to compare it to yours and rejoice, knowing that you have done it for us. Please give us that grace and courage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain
left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my true. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a Day. Mm-hmm.